More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, hour number two, Friday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. It has been considering it's the middle of July and a lot of people are on vacation and it tends to get pretty quiet everywhere between now and Labor Day, by and large, and everybody comes back from vacation. It's been, I would say... A pretty incredible week for news. And the latest bit of news that we started off the show talking about, Buck, is the May 24th trial date being set in South Florida. And I want to open up phone lines 800-282-2882 to allow you guys to weigh in the next couple of hours as we roll through the Friday edition of the program. But, Buck, in the first hour, I mentioned the only analogous situation that I can think about in any similar way to having a celebrity stand trial while also doing his other job, right? In theory, Trump might well be the Republican nominee for president standing trial for felony charges. There could legitimately be a situation where he is in South Florida at the trial in the day, then he hops on his plane and he flies to another part of the country and he campaigns as president of the United States in Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or Georgia or Arizona, all these places that are going to be the quote-unquote toss-up states. And so the only analogy I can think of, do you remember this? Kobe Bryant was charged with rape in Eagle, Colorado, and he would go to the criminal trial and he would attend it, and then when the day at court ended, he would get on a private plane, fly to Los Angeles, and sometimes play for the L.A. Lakers that night. A lot of people have forgotten that this occurred. This would have been maybe like 2004-ish. I need to look up the years. I don't remember, but in the last 20 years. And people couldn't get over. First of all, you could never do that today. You couldn't be an athlete standing trial for rape playing basketball for your team in the evening. I think the media would lose its mind. But think about uh, the big part of the discussion was 
the amount of mental toughness and energy required to stand trial all day, then get on an airplane, fly somewhere, and play a basketball game is akin to me, Buck, to what Trump would be required to do. Sit in that courtroom all day. The difference is Kobe Bryant at the time was like 27 or 28 years old, maybe younger, super highly tuned athlete, probably has energy through the roof. Trump will be 77. One thing that I don't think people are talking about enough associated with this, I think 78 maybe at the time that the trial would be going on, this isn't just a direct attack on our elections by Democrats. It also is a direct attack on Trump because how in the world can you campaign for the most important job in the world when you are required to be sitting at a defendant table for months at a time during the election year? It's a really ironic switch, isn't it? Because Joe Biden was able to become president by choosing to not campaign, and now the Democrats are hoping to keep Joe Biden president by stopping Trump from campaigning. Yeah, That's that's effectively what we Good see point. going on here. And the question will be, is it the biggest question of all, of course, is will, will it actually work? Um, I, and I have to say, if they're not allowing, if they're setting trial dates, this one set for May, uh, the one for the documents at Mar-a-Lago, uh, an obstruction. It's actually really an obstruction case. And I think that's where legal analysts, including conservative legal analysts, think there's the greatest degree of legal jeopardy for Trump. Although I'm with you, I think that in Florida, you get one Trump voter on that jury and he's going to say, it's just nullification. It's going to be this yes. is crap. This never should have happened. I mean, I, I'd say this. If I were on that jury, I wouldn't let them convict him. You know what I mean? I mean, I not a do, surprise to anybody, but I'm hey, just saying, I'd be like, no, you could no way. Be, you could be in the jury pool almost. Uh, I mean, theoretically, I guess I could actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I you know, obviously you can't force everybody else to change their minds, but I'm saying, you know, all it would take I, is one guy and you can't get it or gal and you can't get a conviction of Trump if they decide if, they're dug in. If I were in South Florida, Buck, and I didn't have, you know, we didn't have our public jobs, right? I, I don't think my opinions would be any different if I, oh, I would love South to Florida. be on that. If I like, let's say I was in the I CIA would, still, I, I would, would love it. Fight to get on that jury. Yeah, of course. I would fight to get on that jury and I would 100% sit there I, I for two say, weeks and say not guilty for everything and refuse to change my opinion. This is something that all uh, conservatives, because I know we don't like to be harassed by the government and people tend to think of jury duty almost with the same abiding affection they do dealing with the irs it's just True. like oh like just anything but that like please leave me alone um we actually need honest ethical constitution and america loving people to serve on juries I, yes. I i know it's it's easier said than done but especially like you think about a daniel penny case up in new york we need somebody of common sense who's not going to yeah. be brainwashed by that prosecution to thinking yeah you know what like Let's just let's just create a situation where everyone has to live in constant fear and terror and someone can run around threatening to kill people. And if anyone does something to stop that, they're the bad guy. Um, so so anyway, back back to the uh, the realities here that Trump faces in this in this election. Uh, I wonder also, you know, how this will affect those people who remember it's 50 percent of the GOP right now. That is, uh, according to the national polls that are for Trump, 50 percent is for someone else. Correct. DeSantis, Vivek, Haley, but there'll be some consolidation there over time, I think, as people realize that that 
that uh, you know one percent that Asa Hutchinson's pulling, it's not going to two. So there's going to be there's going to be some consolidation that occurs, and as this gets closer, I think it becomes more apparent to people that the single most important thing of all here uh, is going to be who can win this thing, and uh, that also means that when you when you're looking at these Republican candidates, I think they should all come out and say that they would pardon that they would we've asked them, but that they would pardon Trump because this is going to get very real here with the J six charges coming down as well. You may have President Trump. It is possible, based on the timelines we are seeing, they're going to try to lock him up in prison. Yeah. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm not saying he'll be convicted. I am saying, though, this is not a crazy thing to consider. And I do believe overwhelmingly that Democrats, I mean, the Democrat approval of locking Trump up in a cell in the election year, I would wager is 95%, 99%, something, you know, basically all of them. And and that just shows you what the mentality really is. Now, Trump has said that he would still run even if he was uh, in prison. And this is going to be the biggest political story in some ways, maybe of our lifetimes, if this all goes down the way that we're expecting it to. I don't think anything else could really compare with this. But um, I, I wonder, to your point, to your first point here about what this will do to the president, it's hard for us all because I think we've realized no matter what, the, the election interference now has been turned up to a point where, it, it, you know, what are we supposed to do? There is no such thing as it being fair to Trump at this point, right? There's no fair. When, when you've got prosecutions, including prosecutions that even honest Democrats will say are just total crap, they're, they're, they're rigging the game right now. And, and one of the frustrations, I think, for a lot of people is, we can vote, we can rally, you can, you know, you can donate to your candidate, you can donate to Trump, you can rally behind him. None of that is going to change any of what we're talking about on the legal side. This is the machine operating without a care about whether people think it's fair or not and he's their candidate or not on the outside. In fact, if anything, it's happening because of the people that would vote for Trump and they want to take that option away from them. And I just think that there's a little feeling of, of, um, both a lot of anger. Um, and then there's a little bit of a feeling of helplessness too. It's like, how can this be happening in the country right now? Like, how yeah. can you have the leading Republican presidential contender and a former president? And there is something, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I would say a former Democrat presidents, like if someone said, Oh, I saw Bill Clinton and I was shouting at him and telling him how awful he is. I'd be like, Hey, like the former president, he's not in power anymore. Like, we should, as a, as a society, want to have respect for people that have held that office even after they've left the office. That's, at some level. I'm not saying you can't criticize them, obviously. We criticize them all the time. But we don't want to lock them in cells, you know? We don't want them or, to have to be doing public showers. Restaurants, yeah, right? or, or, you know, but that's what I mean. There's a breakdown in the most basic respect and decorum that these prosecutions represent as well. It's It's debasing us as a country that they're doing this to, you know, we're looking at this from the, he's running for president side, but there's also the, this is a former president they're doing this to. And we used to all understand, like, guys, unless someone murders somebody or something, they're a former president, for the benefit of the country, we're going to let some things go. Nixon, Clinton, and now they're doing the exact opposite. And there's something really, uh, yeah, nefarious, but, um, you know, there's something profoundly disturbing about that for the country. I, I think that is 100% correct. And I just look at the practical requirements. 
it is grueling for anyone to be standing trial. That's the reality. And and I hope, I would imagine, the vast majority of our audience has never been in a courtroom, never been facing criminal charges. But the amount of energy and effort and intensity that you have, I mean, Buck, the jury draws much of its opinion based on how sometimes the defendant behaves throughout the course of this trial. And so Trump is going to be being stared at by jurors who hold his potential future freedom in their hands all day. And then is he going to get on? I don't know what the plan is going to be. Is he going to get on his plane and fly and do rallies? Because the big... Success, I would say, of the Trump 2016 and 2020 campaign was these big, huge rallies where they found tons of new voters and were able to mobilize them. How do you do that if you're on trial in South Florida? I will say this because I saw it up close and personal as a much um, you know maligned and ambushed conservative at CNN in the election year. One repl- One thing that I don't think was taken into account was Trump was able to jujitsu the Democrat corporate media in 2016 into endless coverage of him because they thought it was a joke. Yeah. You know, they thought it was, there's that Selena Zito line that they took him, um, you know, literally but not seriously, and they should have taken him seriously but not literally. Uh, they figured, oh, we'll just put this up on the air. CNN was running trump rallies yeah they gave they rated him well and because they got great ratings and yeah. they thought look at our audience they love this this clown this joke oh you mean the one who's going to actually crush hillary the most heralded handed to candidate in history that didn't happen in 2020 they learned a lesson now i know it was COVID as well but they weren't going to do the same thing they realized amplifying the trump message on their airwaves played to trump's strengths so how does this play now? I would have said, oh, well, at least he's on, he'd be able to be on Twitter and be totally free on Twitter. He's not on Twitter. So even the media game for Trump here is going to, he's not doing a lot of Fox either. I mean, he did Sean's show recently, but he's not on Fox the same way he was before. So his message getting out there, again, this is all evolving and it's early, but it's different than it was in 2016. CNN's not going to be running Trump rally night after night. I can assure you of that. Will they have cameras in the courtroom? The general rule is no. There are certain exceptions. I would argue, I bet you would agree, that given the consequential nature of who is on trial, I would argue that 100% there should be cameras in this courtroom. If so, the Trump trial... I mean, what would we do even, Buck, on this show? I feel like we would cover a lot of that live right and analyze it in real time i guarantee you fox news is going to put it on i bet cnn and msnbc would even cover that trial trump if do you think he'll clay clay do you think he'll take the stand in his own defense that's what i'm that's where i'm kind of going here because i think he, he will. could have I think the he's trump and he will to talk yeah. to tens of millions of people from the witness stand yeah. and arguably msnbc and cnn would have to cover that so, again, the general rule is in federal trials, 
This is a great question for somebody who is at Court TV. If we have anybody in the audience who knows uh, the rules apply here. But I think this could be O.J. Simpson-like. You know, we had the Murdoch trial that was on. There have been a lot of different, the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial. There have been a lot of these things that were wildly popular because of the compelling drama to put it on. I think, Buck, that this could be an unprecedented opportunity in some ways, just saying, for Trump to get his message out there, to your point, by taking the stand. But also, is he going to do a press conference every day after the trial on the courthouse steps? I think I think he will do something. I mean, he's going to, th- th- but this is kind of what I mean. There's going to be a reshaping of the media uh, platform here, the fire hose yeah. um, of information in a way that maybe we, we haven't seen it yet. Um, but Trump will figure something out, I think, here. All right, let's, uh, we'll get to some calls here. 800-282-2882. If you're waiting, stay with us. If you want, please call in. Look, Dutch Mendenhall is the CEO of Rad Diversified and the president of the Alternative Investment Association. He's also now the author of a new book, Money Shackles. What are the money shackles? Well, these shackles represent financial hamstrings that Americans have to deal with over and over again. Let me give you an example. Go to school, get in debt. Buy a car, get in debt. Dutch believes this is the wrong thought and the wrong teaching. In his book, he'll give you his strategies to use debt to your advantage and tap into lucrative alternative investment vehicles to redefine your American dream. He'll share how he built a multi-million dollar real estate empire in only three years. Dutch is on a mission to be at the forefront of the greatest financial change in American history and look beyond Wall Street and see the future of alternative investments. Get ready for the redefined American dream with money shackles. Learn more at therad.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-D, therad.com. The torch of truth, past and still lit every day. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong strong and getty show to start listening more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of fredo and the coldness of michael to the og spy kid alexa penavega you had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Junie. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships 
and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mitt Romney is talking to everybody here about National Hot Dog Day. And it's pretty funny because what you get from Mitt here is he's just a man of the people, Clay. He's like, hello, fellow peasants. I too love the hot dog eating that you like to do. Do we have this audio? Can we play it? Please play Mitt connecting with the folks. Well, as you all know, today is National Hot Dog Day. And uh, perhaps you also know that hot dog is my favorite meat. I love hot dogs. Uh, I love them in buns. I love them outside of buns. I love them with baked beans. I just like hot dogs. It's the best you know, best meat there is without question. So to all of you who, like me, are celebrating uh, National hot, hot Dog Day, uh, congratulations to you, and may there be many, many more hot dogs served in our wonderful land. Can, can I just can I just say, Clay, no chance that Mitt Romney's favorite meat is actually hot dog. Also, hat tip producer Mike, Mitt Romney eats his hot dogs with a knife and fork. I watched this video yesterday afternoon, and it's just, I mean, he's wearing a hot dog hat, wearing a hot dog tie, walking, holding a hot dog in one hand from the Senate office buildings, and it looks like such a fake video. I, I just, how many, how are politicians so bad at being normal? Uh, if you haven't seen that video and you want to laugh, Mitt Romney on hot dogs. Uh, innovation refunds help tens of thousands of small businesses with their ERC tax refunds. The ERC, Employee Retention Credit, program created to help employers after COVID. If you own a business with five or more employees, you could have money waiting to be claimed. Innovation refunds dedicated to helping business owners navigate the process with their team of independent tax attorneys. They're experienced in understanding ways that different kinds of companies can claim tax deductions as a result of COVID. Innovation refunds teaming up with John Taffer, host of Bar Rescue cable TV program about all the bars nationwide that need help. Together, they're going to help restaurant and bar owners find out if they're eligible for the ERC tax credit. Go to innovationrefunds.com to see if you qualify. No upfront costs. They don't get paid unless you get paid. You can also call 1-843-REFUNDS. 1-843-REFUNDS. Innovationrefunds.com. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck, I was asking to start off the hour uh, about what might happen. Let's presume that this case does go to trial May 24th, 2024. That is next May in Judge Eileen Cannon's courtroom in South Florida. I said the general rule is you cannot have uh, cameras in federal courtrooms, and that has been the rule for my entire time as a practicing attorney that I can remember. Now, I don't know if there are, and again, somebody may be an expert on in cameras in courtrooms, if there are exceptions to that federal requirement uh, as it pertains to some state law, right? Whether you have some states that say, hey, federal courts can make a decision that's different. But as a general rule, from your perspective, 
I'm just kind of curious what your reaction to this would be and if you would agree with my take. We have never had a former president of the United States standing criminal trial for any reason. To say nothing of it potentially being in the middle of a primary. Doesn't it feel like we should be able to watch and or hear those proceedings as an important part of making a decision on an election? And also, Buck, instead of, if you don't allow that, if you don't allow any recordings and you don't allow any cameras, then only the uh, small number of reporters who are allowed into that courtroom are then able to tell us what's taking place inside of that courtroom. And do you trust that you're going to get a fair recitation of what's going on in that courtroom from journalists who hate Donald Trump? Because I don't. And that, to me, would suggest that there is a very real benefit of audio or video feeds that would allow us to see in during the course of this proceeding. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but the judge in this case, I think, is unlikely to do anything that breaks with precedent because the whole theory around this is going to be the law is the law and this is the, you know, he's a citizen just like any, you know, any other person and et cetera. I agree with your, your reasoning that we should be able to see this. I think, and I think that we should, but I don't think we will, if, if that makes sense. I think the judge is going to say, we don't do this. We're not doing it in this case because we don't do it for other people or other federal court uh, situations. So with that in mind, we probably would be relying on people to uh, present to you what was said in, in any given day and, and that time. I mean, it, it won't, it's not going to, how long, the OJ trial went on for a very long time. Over a year. Yeah. This is only going to go on for two weeks. So it's going to, well, theoretically. In theory, um, yeah. I mean, in theory. Uh, it's it's not going to go on for a year, uh, given the kind of charges we're talking about here. It's really, the South Florida one's very straightforward. It's document handling, and did he obstruct when they wanted the documents back? That's really it. I mean, this is not, uh, the, the, what, the only thing that makes this a complicated case at all is that it's Donald Trump and it's an election year. Well, and, so the and rest potentially is- classified docs, Buck, right? Like, so are we actually going to know? Like, the, if there's an argument over whether these are classified or not, and then the government's going to say, because th- this to me is is really a big part of, of what happens in South Florida, the government might well say, well, these are so sensitive that we can't even tell you what they are. Yeah. Well, then, uh, other how can you tell me that we get a conviction then? Yeah, other classified doc cases don't really. Um, the The big issue becomes just what's introduced and what's not. There's this practice that they say they call it gray mailing, where the defense will say, "Well, for me to get a fair trial, we have to read into the record what this stuff is, and if it's you know blueprints of the North Korean nuclear missile program, the government yep. may say." Uh, hold on a second. Like, maybe we don't, maybe it's not worth it to get this guy if we have to publish that or if that has to be put, put into the record. Now, there are federal procedures as well, I believe, for getting lawyers the clearances they need to be able to handle this stuff and that they can keep some of this also secret, um, within the confines of, of the trial. But, uh, that's going to be part of this as well. Uh, and for the, for the Trump purposes, it's going to be, did he have a right to declassify these things or not? Um, you know, I, I will see how that all, how that all shakes out. The, the, I don't even, Clay, I don't even think they really think that's where they're going to get him, though. 
they're just going to try to hammer him on obstruction. Yes, and I also think, by the way, there are a lot of complicated evidentiary-related issues, and this is me getting into the weeds a bit as a lawyer. Remember, most of these proceedings took place in Washington, D.C., and then they decided, oh, wait, we might have a venue issue because this is so centered on Mar-a-Lago, and so they pivoted and went to South Florida District Court. And when I, when I say that there might be significant issues at play here from an evidentiary perspective in particular, a judge who is now not presiding over the case, for instance, punctured the attorney-client privilege with Trump and allowed one of his attorneys to testify uh, or enter into evidence and discuss, for instance, his memos surrounding his representation of Trump. The general rule is, as all of you out there can imagine, if you are potentially going to face criminal charges, you want your legal team to keep everything that you say to your criminal defense team from being admissible in court. And that's why the general rule is the attorney-client privilege cannot be pierced unless there is a crime-fraud exception in play here, right? So uh, for people out there who watch mob movies, if you are the attorney for the mobster yeah and you are default conspiring with him the the, the attorney can't you know the mobster can't be like hey uh consigliere gotta take care of that guy with the thing for the thing you know what i mean and you know take care of a witness can't do that like you'll yes. get in trouble for that doesn't matter that you're correct the so that's why you have the crime fraud exemption you couldn't sit down with your attorney and say hey i'm thinking about committing a murder What's the best way in your mind that I could commit a murder and create no evidence of the fact that that murder happened? And then your attorney says, well, tell me who it is. Let me think through. Well, you should dispose of the body. Like, all right, okay, so the, the, a lot of times people think about it in the context of a mobster where the mob typically has their own attorney who is a default member of the mob crime family, okay? So there, that's why that exemption exists. But it is highly complicated and highly difficult to make decisions about whether to pierce, so to speak, that attorney-client privilege and allow the attorney to testify against his own client. The judge in D.C. said yes, but if I'm Eileen Cannon, the judge in South Florida, I don't want to be bound by the evidentiary rulings and other decisions that were made by a Washington, D.C. judge in a case that I'm ultimately going to be seat, uh, sitting on. So there are going to be, which is why I'm a little bit skeptical that May 24th will be the start date, there are going to be blockbuster motions, rulings, decisions that are made associated with this criminal trial that we really don't have any idea how they're going to be uh, to be ruled on. So, just as a uh, as a matter of course, you remember like the OJ trial buck if you remember it, a lot of people decided they wanted to be lawyers by watching the OJ trial. Cuz it's like the most exciting thing that a lawyer could do you're in a courtroom you're arguing over whether or not someone committed a murder there are all this discussion surrounding complicated issues and then the reality your sister's a lawyer uh and every young lawyer who's listening to me right now for the most part the reality is you graduate from law school and then they sit you down in front of a computer and you just do doc research or you just write while sitting in an office and there's very little time for most people in courtrooms very little time for young lawyers in courtrooms arguing about things that matter on a large degree. So my point on all this is it's going to be very illuminating for many people out there to see what this process looks like. And it's rare that we can say this, but I think you're 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 right. And we, we have to keep emphasizing 
There's never been a situation like this in the history of the United States. So anyone who tells you, oh, this is definitely going to happen or that is definitely going to happen is not even relying on any precedent, in fact, to be able to make those arguments. It truly is a situation that has never occurred before. So we're all flying somewhat blind into this mess. Our current system may be undergoing a change in the near future. One expert on the topic, a former Wall Street insider, Tika Tiwai, thinks our government could soon announce a mandatory national recall on the U.S. dollar. According to Tika, there will be a new digital version that will be dramatically different from what you have in your bank account right now. If you don't prepare, you could end up holding a bunch of worthless U.S. dollars. Tika Tiwai is warning that the official announcement could come as soon as next week. That's on July 26, Wednesday. He's exposing this government plan in a controversial new video and showing you the three steps you need to take to prepare. Go to DollarRecall.com to watch the video the government doesn't want you to see. Again, that's DollarRecall.com and learn how to prepare before it's too late. Your entire life savings could depend on it. One last time, that's DollarRecall.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24-7. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Clay and Buck. You know, uh, want to make sure that you are hearing all the great content that we're putting out on this show. So make sure you subscribe to the iHeartRadio app. It is free. Uh, well, first download that app and then subscribe to the Clay and Buck show. Uh, we've got podcasts going in there that don't even air here on the radio. So it's additional content you can listen to over the weekend. The weekend's a great time to catch up. We've got the Sunday Hang podcast. Uh, got some interviews from, uh, from this week in there, the Tudor Dixon podcast, which is growing very rapidly. Tudor's a great talent. So check it out and let's get to your calls because we said we would. Cause it's Friday. Alan in Jackson, Mississippi, place I actually hear great things about. What's going on, Alan? Hey, how you doing, guys? Look, I wanted to let you know, uh, fast break layup. Clay will probably appreciate this. That's one of the biggest problems right now Trump is facing is the fast breakaway layup. And that's the establishment party. Well, what do you mean? Okay, so take the McCains, the Bushes, the Cheneys, the Romneys, the McConnells. When you have an election that's going to be close, for example, Tudor Dixon in Michigan, Kerry Lake in Arizona, if you just have 3 to 4% of your establishment Republicans go out of their way to either not vote or vote for a Democrat, your election is lost. Yeah. And then they go on TV and blame Trump's candidates for being bad. Don't tell me Tudor Dixon was bad. Don't tell me Kerry Lake was bad. And I could go on down the list of a lot of others. A lot of those candidates were strong, good, America first candidates that the establishment hated. Well, thank you for the call. Look, is there any doubt, Buck, that Democrats are more committed as a group to their candidates than Republicans are? Nope. Right? I mean, how often do you hear Democrats criticize other Democrats compared to Republicans ripping other Republicans? It doesn't happen very often. I mean, again, the Fetterman case is a great example of party over everything. Yeah. Jeff in Ohio, what have you got for us? Hey, guys, you're doing a great job. Um, I called in to agree with the gentleman from the last hour. Uh, I, I, too, know that Trump is unelectable. And I'm really worried that he's going to get the nomination. What do you base? What do you base the fact that he's unelectable on? You're in uh, where are you? You're Ohio. in Ohio. The Republicans going to win yeah. Ohio comfortably. But what what do you what do you base the fact that you think Trump's unelectable on? Well, I just think that with the great numbers that he had, you know, for his first four years, the first the economic numbers and the way he handled Europe, there was no way in the world he should have lost to Biden. And I think, you know, for one thing, I voted for him twice, and I'd vote for him again, you know, if he were the nominee. But personally, I think he's a pompous, egomaniac, narcissist, and I think he's just turned too many people off. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, if, if he could, Jeff. If he could last time i don't know what makes anybody think he's going to win again well you know There's... jeff it was interesting to me thank you thank you jeff it was interesting to me our last caller alan saying that it's the establishment republicans who will cost trump the election this time around um you know if you look at the voting patterns in michigan and wisconsin and, and pennsylvania and uh, you know i don't know that I, I the last time around I don't know that you could blame the it's not establishment Republicans. It's it's swing voters, independents, white working class voters who will go either way. It's what they did. Arizona is a little different because you have those you have the McCain voters who yeah. feel particularly insulted by some members of, of Trump world. Um, but 
you know, I, I think that it wasn't lack. Uh, it, it's not necessarily lack of Republican turnout that's costing you in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania right now, Democrats have a big advantage in terms of registration. So you need independence to swing your way in a place like Pennsylvania. You're just not going to win the state. You buy this, Buck. I think there's three. Let's just presume Trump's the nominee. I think there's three ways that Trump wins. One is Biden has such a health-related condition or does something that is so indefensible. You know, he, he in the debate, falls on the way walking onto the stage. He collapses. He has some sort of health-related condition, in, which is not crazy, that idea, in the midst of the campaign. Two is there's a third party. Because I do think a third party, if it's this no-labels group or whatever else, would benefit Trump because I think it would pull votes away from Biden more so. And third is that because COVID is not here, the amount of people that Democrats are able to turn out, because the the claim of, of, of Biden, let's presume that 81 million came, right? The claim of Biden was he would restore normalcy. He's failed at that. People's lives, by and large, are not substantially better so maybe instead of 81 million, we get 76 million that show up to vote for Biden in 24. Those are, to me, the three paths, if you are a Trump supporter, to argue, hey, that's how we can win. Or, Do you think I'm missing anything in those three? Do you see like an additional uh, you know, pathway? I mean, I think they're, the pathways are narrow. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to be easy. Um, and I, I just checked to make sure that I was right. I mean, uh, Biden won independent voters in Pennsylvania by eight points. Mm-hmm. If that happens again, he loses Pennsylvania. Full stop. So Trump this is why has no chance. Yeah, no chance Pennsylvania. So this is why when people say, "Well, it's the GOP establishment not showing up." It's going to let's not let's not create the narrative in advance of the election. Right? You have to win independent voters. You have to win uh, female, um, you know, the soccer mom vote, so to speak, the female suburban voter. Uh, you have to win white working class males in Michigan and Wisconsin in numbers that, and that includes some Democrats who have went for Trump in 2016 and includes some independents. Um, that's how you got to get it done. I mean, just saying like, you know, I, we, we can't set ourselves up to say, well, well, you know, former McCain voters cost us again in 2024. We got to find a way through that. Yeah. And that's also a failure of candidacy, right? Um, to be honest, if you can't persuade people who would be predisposed to vote for you, I think that's super frustrating. But again, yeah. Democrats turned out people to vote for basically a walking corpse in John Fetterman. Yeah. And yeah. they'll do it again for Biden. And and this time winning winning is winning and losing is losing. And our party needs to figure that out real fast, right? Doesn't matter. We can tell ourselves whatever narratives we want. If we're sitting here doing the show in January of 2025, while Joe Biden's getting sworn in for term two, that's not it's gonna good. Be a tough show. <laughs> that's that's going to be a sad. We can sit around and say, "Oh, but someone didn't show up and vote for." I don't care who it is. You know, if only more more Trump voters had voted for President Vivek, we'd be. I don't care. We've got to win. Got to find a way to get to that victory because everything else is just noise. It's true. It's all that matters. And I don't want this to come down to another sports uh, analogy here, a last-second field goal. Like We have to put together a platform that is going to lead to a comfortable win. How do you do that? That's super important. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 